All right, everybody ready to jump in? You guys have already had to uh, endure me longer than normal uh, this morning. But that's okay. You know why? Because we're talking about the adversity that comes with faith sometimes. Um, so you have to endure me a little longer and more often this morning. You know, I was, uh, I was singing this song in my head all week long, and, uh, and it kind of goes something like this. Uh, growing up is hard to do. Yeah. And, and then I realized that it wasn't growing up. Those weren't the words. That it was breaking up was hard to do. But, so... Uh, so I was going to, I was, I had it all planned out. I was like, we're going to, I'll play that song right before I come up and it'll be, you know, kind of like a catchy tune, you know, and then, and then I started searching for it and I was like, oh, oh, it's not, it's not growing up is hard to do. But, but sometimes uh, anybody who has grown up, um, and I'm still working on that, but, but growing up can be hard to do. And primarily, growing up can be hard to do because of, of two things. One is that growing up brings with it change. Uh, yesterday, uh, Halloween, is my dad's birthday. And so I called him. Uh, I called him for his birthday, and uh, we were talking, and, um, and he said, I'm, I'm 58 years old today. And he was kind of like, oh, I'm 58 years old today. And... Um, and uh, what I know about change, or what I know about um, growing up, is that sometimes it brings change. Sometimes it's wanted change. Sometimes it's unwanted change. And, and usually the unwanted change is harder to go through than the wanted change, right? I mean, um, uh, I put up on my Facebook page this week, just trying to get like a, 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 a survey of why growing up is hard to do. And one of my favorite comments that I saw on my post this week was, um, if you think growing up is hard, then try growing old, right? <laughs> Sometimes growing up is hard because it brings with it change. I remember... Um, I remember uh, I was in high school, I was a freshman, and I was on the football team, right? And uh, we were going out for practice, and we had this uh, ritual, right? Uh, these, uh, usually there's some kind of a ritual that goes along with uh, uh, practices, and, and so we would all get in a big circle, and it was kind of like the beginning thing that we did and the end thing that we did to kind of get ourselves all riled up, Right? And, and so everybody would get in, in a big circle, and the captains of the football team, the seniors, you know, like the big, burly guys, and, and all the freshmen are like, oh, you know, and, 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 and it was, you know, it was like the thing. And so they would call you out, right? And they would say, they would call you out, and they would say, break us down. And, and it, was a, it was kind of like, you know, as a freshman, you're almost like, okay, I think I get this. Don't call on me. Don't call on me. Don't call on me because, uh, you know, I don't want to mess it up. And so, of course, one day I'm there and, and, you know, practice and we're in the circle and the senior looks at me and he says, Cahill, break us down. And, and I was, you know, and, and it kind of was like uh, you had to yell. You had to yell. And, and, and it was like, uh, I don't even remember the whole chant now, but it was like you had to go hit, hit. And, and I went, hit. And, and that was in front of the whole football team. And I, I just want you to know, growing up sometimes is, 
is hard to do. Sometimes it's because of a change that's taking place, like puberty. And, and you know, sometimes it's hard to grow up because of, of change. Sometimes uh, growing up can be hard to do because of responsibility, right? Uh, like, it, it seems like the older that we get, the more, the more people expect of us something, right? Like, the older that we get, um, they expect us to know what we're doing, right? Uh, like, when we were younger, the younger we are, the less expectation comes with stuff, and, and the older that we get, people look at us and think like, well, they should know, right? Like even if you, had, uh, if you were the older sibling and you had younger siblings, your mom and dad, they would look at you and they would say, they would say like they did for me, I'm the an oldest. And they would look at me and my parents would say, Michael, you should have known better. Well, yeah, but what about, yes, but they're only, right? Are you all with me on this? And it, it only gets worse as we get older, Right? Like there's this, there's this beckoning sense of responsibility that we're constantly trying to grow into and sometimes it's hard because even though you're older and you should know better or, or you're older and you should know the job responsibility or you're older and you should know the role that you should play, uh, you, you feel uh, insecure in that role. Are you all hanging with me on this? Sometimes growing up is hard to do. But growing up means that at some point, right, people look at us and see maturity. The end of growing up needs to be that we mature. And what is true of people is also true of churches. We need mature churches. And, and in the church and in our faith, sometimes growing up is hard to do. Sometimes we, we, we run into the changes that, that faith is calling uh, of our lives to make, and, and, and it's a tension for us. I mean, God begins to take us through spiritual puberty, and we're like, what in the world is going on? Or he's asking, perhaps, of us to take on some different sorts of roles and responsibilities, things that we should be growing up into. And we kind of go, this is really hard. But what happens to immature churches? Can I share some stats with you? The most recent stats suggest that there's 10,000 growing churches in the United States with more than 290,000 who are plateaued or in decline. 5,000 churches are closing every year with only 3,500 new churches being planted in places around the country. What happens when Christians decide to stop growing up? They die. And maturity isn't just about knowledge, right? And when we're talking about uh, being mature in our faith, growing up in Jesus, growing up in our faith, uh, what we're talking about is just not more knowledge about the Bible, right? Right? 
I mean, if that were true, we would be rocking it in regards to biblical maturity in faith. Like if we, if all we had to do was just have more knowledge to have people who are mature in Christ, man, we would have it, right? I mean, all we would have to do is get like people to memorize Scripture and, and know all the books of the Bible. And, and is all that good? Yeah, absolutely. But it's not simply a matter of knowledge, is it? I mean, Jesus, when he was walking the earth, he was hanging out with people uh, who knew stuff and who didn't know stuff. And, and, and there were people, they were called the Pharisees and teachers of the law. They knew stuff. They had all the knowledge in the world. Uh, they had probably memorized ginormous portions of the Old Testament. Uh, they could go chapter and verse, and yet they lacked maturity. So it's not simply about knowing the Bible. It's about doing what the Bible says. It's about living out something. You know, last week we were in Hebrews chapter 11. You remember this? And, and, and we just kind of made the declaration together uh, that, that faithful lives are willing to wager themselves on the promises of God. Mature faith looks like lives of people who are saying, I, I, I want to know, but I want to do what it is that God is telling me. I want to join him wherever it is that he is, and I want to do that. I'm going to wager my life all in, right? Maturity is more than knowledge, and it's also more than longevity. You may have come to church for 50 years, faithfully. But if your life is not willing to wager on the promises of God, then maturity is not yet yours. We have to have something more. When we're talking about growing pains, we have to have something more than knowledge and longevity. We need people who are always willing to say, God, where are you? And I'm willing to wager my life on that. You want strength for the journey? Then we need to learn about growing pains. The text that we're in uh, today, it, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a tough one. In Hebrews chapter 12, uh, it's in page 844 in the Pew Bibles. If you want to look there, you certainly can and follow along as we work our way through this text this morning. But it really is about growing pains. This text is about growing pains. When we have grown up into faith, when we have decided that Jesus is the way that we ought to live our life, then there is going to be stuff that's related to our faith that's going to come in tension and conflict with our own life. And we're going to have to choose in that moment, do we continue to grow or not? Think about some of the things that he begins to say in this text. Now, there's this metaphor of discipline. In chapter 12, look at verse 7 for a moment. He says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. 
Man, growing up is hard to do. Nobody likes discipline. But he's going to use this metaphor of discipline and hardship uh, to try and get us to understand our faith journey. Now, let me clarify something. In Hebrews chapter 12, he's not talking about our everyday conflicts. Okay? He's not talking about a loss of a loved one here when he talks about hardship and suffering. That's not what he's saying when he wants to talk about enduring. He's not talking about something in our life that was tragic that we've had to endure. There are other texts in the Bible that do that really well. What he's trying to get us to understand in the whole context of Hebrews chapter 11 and 12, he's trying to say, hey, those of you that desire to live faithfully, if you want to live faithfully, then there's a couple things that you need to know. And one of them is that if you do that, you're going to experience some hardship. Notice the number of times that, that enduring and perseverance shows up. At the very first of chapter 12, he says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, remember uh, chapter 11 is all of those witnesses. And it serves as a reminder to all of us that there are people who have faithfully gone before us who have endured what they needed to endure. And then, and then he goes to the top of the food chain. Right? I love it when authors do this. He goes to the top of the food chain. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, notice what Jesus does. He endures the cross, scorning its shame, and he sits down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me stop there. Why does Jesus go to the cross? Why does he go to the cross? He goes to the cross because that was his mission. Are you with me on this? Jesus goes to the cross because that's his mission. He comes so that you and I, he dies so that you, you and I might live, right? The whole spectrum of this passage begs us to, to go about our mission with great endurance, just like Jesus went about his mission with great endurance. Are you with me on this? Persevere, endure, a lot like Jesus endured. Look at verse 3. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Sometimes when we come up against adversity, when we come up against opposition, when we recognize the tension that comes with living the life that we want to live for Jesus, there is tension. And the knee-jerk reaction as human beings is to begin to say, well, you know, maybe I'll just back away from that. The problem is that we want maturity, and maturity happens when we're willing to go into the trenches and recognize that growing up can be hard to do, but we're going to do it anyway. Endure hardship just like Jesus. And there's a couple of ways that sometimes we find ourselves enduring hardship. The first, the first is that uh, sometimes we endure hardship with the hard kinds of conversations that we need to have with people. And sometimes we're the giver, and sometimes we're the receiver of those hard conversations. 
You see, living a life with faith means that there is a standard. The standard, by the way, is God. And when the standard is God, that means that all of us in this room, including me, we are constantly trying to live out the holy life that God has designed for us to live. We're trying to live our mission. Now, how many of you uh, driving in your car, right, and you'll look in your, your rear view mirror and you'll look in your, your uh, driver's side mirror and you're driving along and uh, down the interstate and, uh, and just before you, you, you've even got your blinker on and just before you, you, you go over, you kind of have to look over your shoulder. Why do you look over your shoulder? Because it's what we call a blind spot, isn't it? It's in between that spot in your rearview mirror and your driver's side mirror that you can't see where that car is. is. Here's what I want to get at. We all have blind spots. We all have areas that we need people to speak into that spot because they see what we can't. And sometimes growing up, sometimes the tension that comes is when someone confronts us on, on an issue or a topic that we desperately need to hear. I was reading a book this week um, uh, that someone had lent to me, and it's called uh, Thanks for the Feedback. And it goes through uh, just how much in America we don't like honest feedback. What do we want? We want people to tell us how wonderful we are, right? We only want likes on our Facebook page. We only want people to favorite us on our Twitter accounts. Are you all with me on this? We want people to tell us how glowing we are, and we are a little bit hesitant when someone comes up and begins to say, you know what, you're fantastic, but if your faith is going to grow from point A to point B, then you need to hear this. But we're not really good at receiving that, are we? Oftentimes when I've had those conversations and people have had those conversations with me, you know what, what conjures up inside of me? I want to be defensive. Oh, yeah? Well, let me tell you about you. I got a list. Right? Sometimes when we meet the tension of growing and saying, I am going to wager my life on God's promises, growing up can be hard to do. And part of that might be these kinds of conversations that people have with us. And you have to be willing to receive them. Another way is just simply uh, going about daily life and the kinds of things that happen outside of, of this room. It's not a conversation. It's a series of events. Uh, several years ago, I was uh, made aware of a businessman. He was a machinist. And, uh, you know, the economy hadn't been great for this particular machinist. And, uh, and uh, uh, there was a large contract that was available through... Um, through one of the oil companies in his area. And the, and the guys uh, from the oil company came into this machinist shop and he said, um, you know what, we're going to make available to you this large contract. Uh, we'll, we'll sign a contract for the next five years with you as long as you will, um, well, what you will do is you will, you will tell the company that, that you are charging us this amount. 
right? You're going to charge the company more and, and we're going to be able to skim off the top. Uh, that money goes to us. But we're guaranteeing you income for the next five years, for your family for the next five years, for your workers for the next five years. This man is a Christian. And so his faith collides with his ethic of what he believes in Jesus. And he takes the contract that's before him and he rips it up and he says, don't come back into my shop. And he watches as someone else down the street takes the contract. That can be hard, can it? And you're going to have to look at places like Hebrews chapter 12 and go, endure hardship. Now I get it. Now I know what that means. I was just having a conversation recently with a parent, and their, their daughters enjoy um, some of the toy magazines that come in the mail, right? Do your, some, some of your kids enjoy this? Like, the toy magazine comes in the mail, and they're like, oh, and they start flipping through it. And, and this particular company had decided in the upcoming months that in one of their issues of the toy magazine, they were going to celebrate a homosexual couple who had adopted four students. And she said, what, what should I do with that? And then you begin to understand how I parent my kids in those kinds of situations is where my faith comes to bear. And whatever my decision is, I'm going to have to address it. And then you understand what it means to live a life of faith that has to endure hardship and persevere. Gang, sometimes growing up is hard to do. But I want you to hear this. Adversity paves the way for maturity. Adversity paves the way to maturity. You want to mature up in Christ. You want to grow up in who Christ is. You want to know what he's doing and where he's doing it. You want to continue to follow. You want to continue to say, I'm all in, whatever that means. Uh, you want to endure those kinds of things in your daily life as a parent, as a business owner, as an employee, as a person who decides in a small group atmosphere, right, how to confront other people well. You want to do that? You need to know adversity paves the way to maturity. If you want to be mature in Christ, then this is going to have to be. You're going to have to endure this kind of discipline. You're going to have to endure that kind of tension, and you'll find that maturity is waiting for you at the end. Now, notice what happens in this text. It's beautiful. I want you to hear the mature language that comes out on the other end. Look at verse 10 and 11. He says, our fathers disciplined us for a little while. So he's going to go from the lesser to the greater. He's going to say, you know, there's these fathers on earth and there's the father in heaven. Notice what he says. Verse 10. Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but, but God disciplines us for our good 
that we may share in His holiness. What? Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Adversity paves the way to maturity. If we are willing to go through the tension of some of this, God is saying there's holiness waiting on the other end for us. Look at verse, verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Just as a, a note, students who are in the room, if your mom ever asks you, right, if she ever breaks out the wooden spoon and says, bend over the couch, and she spanks you, don't look back at her and laugh. I'm just saying, may have had a little experience with that. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. If it's not painful, act like it's painful, okay? No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest. Notice what the harvest produces. It's in other words like God said, I am setting a seed in the ground and it's going to have to struggle, and it's going to have to endure, it's going to have to persevere, but come harvest time, come fall, I'm going to take out the combine and notice what the harvest produces. He, he says it produces righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You want maturity. You want to be a mature church? You want to see our church thrive in this community? You want to see our church uh, uh, reach people who don't yet know about Jesus? Then this is something we have to do together. We have to be willing to say, you know what, I'm going to live out this faith, and whatever comes, we're going to go through it. Because I want maturity. I want a harvest of righteousness and peace and holiness that God is saying is mine. And the best part about all of this, notice what else he says. <laughs> hardships, our hardships, not only are they the key to our maturity, but they identify us. Notice, notice what the text says. Look at 5 through 7. Have you forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons and daughters? My son, don't, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Don't lose heart when he rebukes you. Why? Why? Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? I have, uh, I have had the opportunity over the years to hang out with some Marines, right? I've, I've had the opportunity to hang out with some Marines. And, and a lot of times, like uh, uh, guys in the military uh, in their regiment, oftentimes they'll, like, they'll identify themselves uh, maybe by a tattoo, right? Like they'll get their, their a special tattoo on their arm or something uh, that identifies like this was my regimen, right? Like it's a sense of family, like this is who we are, right? Are you all hanging with me? This is my identity. I work with this family, right? Sometimes uh, I'll be walking around with a Marine and they'll see a Marine flag or they'll see a Marine uh, a symbol on the back of the truck and like out of their mouth comes, oorah. And, and I'm just like, what? What was that? And they're like, well, that's our cry. You know, that's the thing that identifies us. We do that together. And, and what, 
what God is saying in his word right here is not only, does, uh, uh, not only does adversity pave the way to maturity, but it identifies us as the people of God. And we can celebrate that. Like, if you're enduring hardship because of your faith, because of what you believe at work or at school or anywhere, uh, you can go, oorah, this is my family right? I get to celebrate this. And so you have changed the perspective of the thing that you're having to endure uh, because God, you're believing what it is God is saying. And he's saying, hey, if you're doing this, then you're identified as my family. Notice, notice what else he says, if you're not having to endure. Now, this is, this is hard, but, but listen, if you're not having to endure, look at verse 8. He says, if you're not disciplined, and everybody undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. That's a hard one, isn't it? If you think that you're living faithfully, but there's no tension in your life, then maybe you need to go back and go, what should I struggle with that I'm not currently struggling with? How is it that you come into the community of people who are now identified, who have the tattoo of Jesus written on their lives? Adversity paves the way to maturity. We don't look the same, but we can be cut from the same cloth. And now, listen, our job in the midst of this hardship our job is to receive it. Our job is to receive it as if God is the one giving it. Did, did you catch what he says? Endure hardship as discipline. Endure hardship as discipline. Look at the, the second half of verse 10. Notice that it says this. When we are enduring this, we have to receive it as if it's coming from God. And what you need to know about God is that he's good and he has your best interests at heart. It's like when your mom and dad would go to discipline you and what would they say? This is going to hurt you a lot more than it hurts me or hurt me more than it hurts you. <laughs> the other way around, the other way around. It's going to hurt me way more than it hurts you. But I am doing it for your good. Look at what it says. God disciplines us for our good. Why? So that we might share in his holiness. You want maturity? Adversity is part of the program. We receive it because we know there's a loving God, a majestic Savior. And we come to the door and we receive again and again and again as God shapes and molds our life. Imagine a world, imagine a world with me where Christians, the people sitting in this room right now, begin to receive constructive criticism well. Where we say, you know what, God, thank you for using these people in my life to shape who I am supposed to be, to make me the human being 
I am supposed to be. Thank you for calibrating me. Where we begin to change our perspective of how it is that we receive feedback. Imagine a a church where we can speak to each other in love with grace and truth. Not to be mean, but so that we can shape one another into the image of Christ. Can you imagine that with me? Imagine if we were to begin to do that, not only in our church, but with people in our community. And we were to begin to walk beside them and put our arm around them and walk with them and say, with grace and truth, I will accept your feedback and I'm going to give you good feedback so that you can be the person that you're supposed to be. Can you imagine that? Imagine a church where people are able to to blossom and grow into who it is that God has made them most to be and the impact that might have on our community. Imagine a a church where, where the things in the areas that we don't have control over, that instead of pouting, we begin thinking, man, I get to be a part of this. I know, I know it's hard, but, but I get to be a part of it, and I'm a part of a team that's bigger than me, and I, I know that I'm going to have to go through these practices, and I'm going to have to go through some stuff that's uncomfortable for me, but, but I get to be a part of that team, and I'm proud of it. I want you to see the very end of chapter 12. The very end of chapter 12. It, it's amazing, actually. Verse 26, at that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more, I'm going to shake not only the earth, but the heavens. This is a mighty shaking. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what can be shaken may remain, or cannot be shaken may remain. There's lots going to be shaken. But notice verse 28. Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom, what kind of kingdom is this? It is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I want to inherit a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And if we are willing to allow adversity to be the road for maturity, this is what we inherit. When everything is done, when everything else is shaken, we are with God where nothing is shaken. I want to be there. I want you to be there. I want our community to be there. I want West Monona to be there. I want Iowa to be there. Are you with me on that? I want to be a part of that. But the only way we get there is by going through the road of adversity. I, uh, I brought these with me this morning, and I'm going to encourage you to put them on with me, uh, figuratively, of course. You know what these are? They're 3D glasses. I can hardly see you all right now. No, actually, you're all coming at me. and No. 
What I'm asking you to do is to change your lenses. To not look at adversity as something that is to be shunned or run away from because of your faith, but something that you run into. God's given you a different set of lenses this morning, and you get to choose. Will I put them on or not? Let's strive toward maturity together. Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank you for who you are and all that you've done. And I pray for everybody this morning that we will grow in strength for the journey that, that sometimes is hard. But I pray that you'll do a great work in it and you'll grow us to be people that we never thought we could do, be and do things that we never thought we could do. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.